Welcome to the Daily Horror Habit Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Krieger, bringing you daily reviews of current and classic horror movies for your twisted pleasure. Be aware that these reviews and discussions may include spoilers. And as always, I hope you enjoy. Don't move. Let me see it. Don't move, Amy. Let me see it. Okay. Ready? Mm-hmm. I love it. That's super sweet because it's terrible. <laughs> There's something to be said for the less extreme side of horror. Sometimes I'm not in the mood for body stacking slashers or horrifying haunting that has me sleeping with the lights on. Sometimes I want a relaxing, and dare I say, fun-driven horror experience. And this is where the importance of PG-13 horror comes into play. Not only serving as the stepping stone for lifelong horror fans, but a place for films to coexist within the genre or adjacent to it. There's worth there, and while 18-year-old Jay's edgy horror sensibilities didn't see it at the time, 28-year-old Jay does. And hopefully y'all will see Love and Monsters as the fun, stepping stone horror monster mashup that I do. Directed by Michael Matthews and written by Brian Duffield and Matthew Robinson, Love and Monsters is currently streaming on video-on-demand platforms. We meet Joel, played by Dylan O'Brien, who's living in Year 7 of the Monster Apocalypse, the result of humanity's joint effort to destroy a threatening asteroid with nuclear weapons, only for the nuke's radiation to mutate all manner of insects creating hellish monsters on Earth. Joel lives in one of the many underground survivor societies regulated to kitchen duties given his lackluster survivalist skills. Though when he reconnects with his old girlfriend Amy, played by Jessica Henwick over the radio, he decides to set off on an 80-mile trek across monster country to join her. Given the PG-13 nature of the film, the love part of Love and Monsters is the foundation that, unsurprisingly, drives the narrative. And to be honest, it's okay. Not nearly as cringeworthy as a lot of PG-13 romances in film, but it never manages to woo us in the way it intends to thanks to some rather cliched plot beats. However, it is the film's stellar creature design and apocalyptic sense of humor that makes the film a standout, despite its rating. The film opens with a sketchbook recap detailing the events of the monster apocalypse, establishing the world, but also the film's dark, tongue-in-cheek humor early on. Whether it's informing the viewer that a certain president was eaten by a giant radioactive moth, or Joel being sidelined from normal survival duties and regulated to minestrone chef expert, this is about the most humorous apocalypse film out there. 
Dylan O'Brien does a great job of selling his character's down but not out demeanor, which prevents him from ever fully forming into a whiny, but 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 what about me type protagonist. This is mostly aided by his selling the film's humor, in which we get a running narration of his experiences on his trek across the wasteland. An element that fuels this is his creating a monster encyclopedia which he sketches monsters he encounters in, detailing their weaknesses, as well as other survival tips he learns. The film's humor both capitalizes on the matter-of-fact nature of tips, such as noting monsters' danger level, their weakness to dogs, to Joel's early-on inadequacies as a survivor, to everyone he meets on his journey thinking he left his colony for stealing food. There's just enough self-aware humor and gags at Joel's expense that it never feels too bogged down by a retreading of jokes, and overall, provides just the right amount of levity in between monster encounters. And memorable monster encounters there are. By and large, Love and Monsters has some of the most creative and highly detailed monster designs I've seen all year. Rather than the generic kind of CGI blobs we're used to, each of the mutated insects and amphibian creatures he encounters are horrific bastardizations of their original form. And now for a brief intermission. If you've been enjoying this episode of Daily Horror Habit, please take a moment to subscribe to the show on your preferred streaming platform or leave us a review on iTunes. And thank you for your continued support, and I hope you enjoy the remainder of today's horrifying episode. A mutated bullfrog is now the size of an elephant with several additional protruding eyes, and a massive tongue that it uses to grab human prey with. Or a ferocious centipede with a head on either end, brandishing gleaming pincers and a belly full of teeth as it towers over Joel. The monster design is not only terrifyingly creative, but it has a level of intricacy that defies the expectations of what is possible in PG-13 horror-adjacent films. Despite the monsters obviously being CGI renderings, this is some of the strongest utilization of said CGI I've seen maybe ever. Perhaps this is thanks to the attention paid to the monster designs themselves, as each monster feels organic to the environment that it's encountered within, which in part makes the environment and the monster feel as if they are one. Rather than simply dropping a CGI monster into a random setting which dispels the very notion of any sort of immersion. And for as stellar as the monsters look, you may wonder, well, just because they look the part doesn't necessarily mean they walk the proverbial monster walk, or crawl rather. But even here, Matthews doesn't disappoint in delivering the monster portion of Love and Monsters. These monster sequences are legitimately unnerving, capturing the terror of what being hunted by something ten times your size must feel like. Whether it's a massive sandworm trailing Joel underground only to burst through the fleshy surface and preying upon him, not unlike Tremors, or a massive snail uprooting the surrounding landscape, these beasts elicit a general fear quality that I can't say most PG-13 monster movies do. As far as plot beats that transpire in between these monster-centric moments, they're entertaining and light enough that they never feel like filler. Whether it's Joel befriending a furry canine for his journey, who he aptly names Boy, or crossing paths with other survivors, such as the duo of Clyde, played by Michael Rooker, and Minnow, played by Ariana Greenblatt, who instill in him numerous survival skills, the journey to reconnecting with Joel's love is equally entertaining. Though the final act of the film introduces an underwhelming villain that you can't not see coming from a mile away, this is accompanied by one of the strongest monster moments in the film, so the meager human antagonist can be mostly overlooked. But I think what helps to elevate all aspects of Love and Monsters is its world building. This is a post-apocalyptic world filled with remnants of the old one, though you're never allowed to forget who the true masters of the earth truly are. From cul-de-sacs and bombed-out military vehicles reclaimed and overgrown vegetation, to the remnants of webbing and goo left behind by mutant monsters who had passed by, the world never allows us to forget it is the remnants of an old way of life. 
Love and Monsters is a film that I was ready to disregard as yet another lukewarm PG-13 horror-adjacent offering, but it defies that antiquated notion quite well. While the love portion of Love and Monsters is largely predictable and quite sappy, those bits aren't meant for me, a 28-year-old. The monster portion of Love and Monsters, however, delivers in a way that it doesn't sacrifice quality to appease either age spectrum of its audience, as it delivers truly terrifying creature design and the intensity to back it up, while ensuring through some fun humor that it never attains the road levels of apocalyptic dourness. Without a doubt, it's one of the most overlooked horror film offerings of 2020, so be sure to check it out on Video On Demand Services. And that'll do it for another episode of Daily Horror Habit, and I'll see you guys tomorrow for another Daily Horror Movie Review. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to Daily Horror Habit on your preferred streaming service, and follow the show on Instagram at Daily Horror Habit, and on Twitter at Daily Horror Pod for episode updates. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you guys next time.